T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is it. This is your last day to go out and about and not totally freeze before the cold comes in tomorrow. So go do your errands today and skip the grocery store today. My phone just be around the crowd. Yeah, no kidding. My phone just gave me another wind advisory, too. So that's coming back too. apparently. Yeehaw. Fantastic. I'm tired of being stuck inside already. I'm tired of this. I don't want to be stuck inside. Um, All right. We go to Forbes.com here for uh, this next story. And those of you who drive for a living will take particular interest in this, but we all should have interest because it involves people who drive for work. And what they're saying is that driving for work is, in fact, the leading cause of death now in the United States. We're for on-the-job deaths, and it's by a lot. They said more than 2,000 people died as a result of occupational transportation incidents in 2022, making up nearly 38% of the total job-related fatalities in that calendar year. And they, they draw a distinction here because they talked to the NTSB about it and, and some other agencies, and what they were saying essentially is we think of fleet drivers as being – particularly well-trained. And I know right now we've got a bunch of guys who are driving big trucks who are going, yeah, we are, we have to be. I know, but they go on to say, that's not the balance of the people who drive for work, that the real problem seems to be among what are distinguished as not fleet drivers, but still people who drive for a job. If you drive a delivery truck, if you drive, um, if you're just behind the wheel a lot while you're on the job, that you still count and that those are the ones who may not have anywhere near the kind of training, non-CDL drivers that have nowhere near the same kind of training, and that's where they're trying to make up this gap. And if you have thoughts here, 913-586-7798. Yeah, they draw a very clear distinction between owners of a CDL and people who don't have a CDL. And they basically say that if you have a CDL, you are considered a professional driver, And by virtue of having that CDL, you get a lot more training. But as John said, there are 15 and a half million drivers who technically drive for a living that don't have a CDL. And because they don't, they don't get that same kind of training. Right. And it's easy to see where some of the problems could arise from that, because if you're used to driving uh, a a Chevy Cobalt or whatever, if that's Mm -hmm. the car that you drive to and from work and then you get to work and you're driving a delivery van, that's a very different experience. And if you're not trained how to drive that van, you could easily get yourself crossed up and into trouble. And so that's what they want to change. Um, they are talking about uh, this new program called the Fleet Essentials Training Program that will offer a series of online courses so employers can teach employees 
whose jobs require them to be behind the wheel. And if you are in that group of people where you feel like you, you know, drive for a living or at least drive a lot on the job, what was the learning curve for you? What did you end up learning kind of the hard way that that could be taught to keep people safer when they drive? The classes are designed for drivers of passenger vehicles, delivery vans, and medium-duty trucks. They provide course content for specific vehicles and address problems like distraction awareness, but with a focus on the ways it uniquely impacts driving for work. I've never been that person. I've never had to drive for work. I drive a lot. I love to. How is it different? I'll tell you one of the things I've never done it for. Well, that's not true. I was a delivery driver way early on when I was 18. I was a delivery driver for Napa, but we just used the cars that were there. You know, they, like mm-hmm. we used the boss's car. It, it wasn't, I wasn't driving anything. The biggest thing I ever drove on that job was a van, just a regular Chevy van. So uh, the, the, where I ran into it was moving from Tennessee to St. Louis because we rented a big box truck mm-hmm. that I drove. And the, the the one thing that had never occurred to me, although I don't know why it wouldn't, but um, your rear view mirror does not exist. The one that's in the middle of the windshield, because all you right. would see is the box behind you. So that's a really important point that I didn't even think about how to drive just using your side mirrors without a rear view mirror. Yeah, because that's all you have. So it was, I mean, I can't tell you how many times on that trip I looked up <laughs> to look into the mirror and realized, oh, no, dummy, it's not there. I think about things like parking. I'm just going through my head thinking about, like, what does the Amazon driver in the van have to deal with that I don't have to worry about as much? Parking is one. Just it's harder to drive in traffic, I would assume, in some of those bigger vehicles. Um, you know, you're just bigger. you got to maneuver, maneuver around things. Clearance, for obvious reasons, thank you, Independence Avenue Bridge, Yeah, we, you would have to think about. I mean, just what is it about driving a bigger vehicle that is harder than just driving the cobalt. Somebody just texted in and said, if you're required to drive for work, you're required to have a class E CDL. That may very well be the case. If it is, that's news to me. But uh, that means that probably a huge percentage of the people that are out there driving for work are doing so illegally. Because I don't know anybody who drives the, the, the company car, you know, to go make deliveries and things like that, like I did, who has a class E CDL. I certainly didn't when I was doing it. I mean, we used to have to drive remote trucks. Yeah. At the radio station, we didn't need any special special anything. I mean, or, they were just vans. Or if we did need them. <laughs> nobody nobody <laughs> told us and we didn't have them, so. It's all right. Uh, changing lanes. Uh, you're right. Visibility is a big thing that I think you would have to teach somebody. Yeah. With that and going out and making a left-hand turn seems like such a non-issue for any of mm-hmm. us. But if you're driving something or you know, making a right-hand turn for that matter, driving something even as big as like a camper, realizing that you have to go out way farther straight into the intersection than you normally do in your car and then whip the wheel all the way around to be able to make that turn without hitting anything with the middle of that vehicle. That's another one that takes a little bit of of doing. We'll go to the uh, calls here in a second. What the story doesn't tell us um, that I don't see in here is what what the dangers are. We know it's a leading cause of death. What is it about driving for work? that killed, you know, what was the thing that they got wrong? And yeah, and what do they need to teach these folks to make sure that it doesn't happen or that we can at least put the uh, put the screws to those numbers a little bit? Let's get Ken in Kansas City in. Hello, Ken. Wow, first time I got on this quick. <laughs> hey, how y'all doing? Doing um, all right. Great. 
So I was a professional driver for almost 20 years, and we take quite a few, uh, like, Smith system driving courses is one thing that I had to take. And I've also done Uber. Um, the major thing is just being tired. Like, at first, Uber wasn't regulated to where you can drive as many hours as you want. <clears throat> That's why truck drivers are regulated because you do get tired and you're fighting to sleep. Yeah. Um, so that that's probably the main problem is there's so many people out here doing Uber and all the other delivery things and they're tired. And so they don't realize that, you know, even with the training, you'll train, you have to look forwards, backwards and, and move your eyes every 15 seconds if you're professional. And they don't have that kind of whereabouts. So when they're driving, they're just tired and they so stressed trying to make money that they're not thinking about stuff like that because they never had that type of training either. You know what? I never even thought about that. Is there any restriction if you're driving for Uber or Lyft to how many hours you can do it in a row? There is now. I actually, I did that back in 2013 where there was none. 2014, wow. 2015, there was none. But I believe there is now. Uh, I think since 2020 or 2021, I'm not real sure. I'm positive it is. I just don't know when they implemented it. But um, that's mainly what it is, is that, you know, a lot of people, I got a friend right now, he he, he does pretty good. He work, makes well over 2000 a week. I mean, that's decent money for most folks, but, oh yeah. He, um, yeah. and, you know, but he, I don't know how his driving is or whatever. I, I don't never ride with him or have it, had to use him, but I just know that's what a lot of drivers are doing now. I believe they can actually, because when I did it, I made that kind of money back in 2012, 2013. Which and then I was overexerting myself, but like I said, I've already had the training through um, being a professional driver, so yeah. I knew my limit. Gotcha. All right. Hey, thanks for the tip, uh, Ken. We really appreciate you getting in. It's good to know that if they didn't have that back then, that they probably do now. If you know for a fact what that is, how many hours you can go before Uber or Lyft are going to shut you down, at least for a while till you get some sleep. What is that? How long can you work? Yeah. Boy, a lot of you are saying you don't need the CDL to do some of the driving that we're talking about. Yeah, so you said E is not a CDL, it's a chauffeur's license. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think you did, but uh, yeah, well, it's not the first time we've gotten information that has been disputed on the text line. So thanks, everybody. Yeah, keep us straight on this and let us know what yeah. the real deal is. Um, yeah, is, is the other one that came in that I wanted to mention real quick, and this is something that until you've been there, especially on days like today and tomorrow, that you don't realize when you're driving something that's a high-profile vehicle, meaning it's it's taller than it is wide, and you have that kind of flat surface on the side like uh, like like a box truck would, the wind hits that thing and pushes it in ways that you would never even imagine happening in your car. Yeah, any weather stuff, I assume, is different. Yeah. Snow is going to be different. You're dealing with different sized tires than what you're used to. All of that stuff, I want you to practice. Let's go to Ed and Independence, see what he's thinking. Hey, Ed. Hi. I was just going to comment that, yeah, that's true. Uh, Class E is not considered a CDL. You have In Missouri, you have like a CDL, A, CDL, B, and C. And then you have a Class E, which used to be considered a chauffeur's license. And in the state of Missouri, you do have to have a Class E license if you are paid to, to drive anything in, in the state. Even if you're just like a pizza delivery boy? Yes. Now, that doesn't mean the cops, if they pull you over and, give, and write you up for something else, that they're going to write you up or even necessarily pay attention to that. But, yeah, by, by law, you are supposed to have a Class C license. Okay. All right. Thanks, Ed. And I, I, I do know these things because I've got a cousin that's a highway patrolman. 
<laughs> okay. okay. I, I wouldn't yeah, argue I with you, I promise. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Thanks a lot for getting in. Let's let's go real quick and skip to Andrea and Gladstone. Hi, Andrea. Hi. What's on your mind? Uh, former Uber driver, uh, 12 hours on, and then you have to log off for six hours before they let you log back on to drive more. We do not have a CDL e-license as far as I know because I never had, had one. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, boy, even 12 hours seems excessive. Thank you. Thanks for the information, mm-hmm. Andrea. Um, that's a lot. I mean, Unless it's like first thing when you wake up in the morning and it's like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, it's a long time, though. You're right. Boy. I, and I've done it. I mean, I've done. What's, what's what's the longest you've ever been behind the wheel at once? 19 hours at one time. Same as me. <laughs> Coming back from North Carolina. I was I did uh, Tampa to Buffalo. And that's actually a 24 hour drive. But I did it in 19. So shh, don't tell I anybody. Do not remember the last four hours. I, I mean, absolutely. I remember oh. hitting St. Louis at 10 p.m. And going well, it's only four more hours. I oh, do. God. I remember the the last four hours very well because it was the middle of winter, and I hit the snow line. And at that point, all of a sudden, that'll wake you right back up when you realize, mm-hmm. ooh, boy, every time I go over one of these little overpass type <laughs> bridges, the back end skids out a little bit. I wonder what that's all about. Yeah, I learned. Mm-hmm. All right, we need to get to a break. Uh, everybody else that's hanging on with us, stick with us here. We'll get back to your calls next on KMBZ. Talking about the story out of Forbes.com, the leading cause of job-related deaths in the U.S. every year is fatal crashes while driving for work. And it seems to be focused on the group of people that don't have a CDL but still drive either entirely for work or largely for work who don't get the kind of training that CDL owners get. And to make the muddy waters even muddier, now we're getting some more clarification from the folks on the text line who were saying that that CDL for any job for which you have to drive is a Missouri-only thing. So if you're on the Kansas side, you don't. And even as the caller who pointed that out said – just remember, just because you're required to have one doesn't mean that a cop who pulls you over is necessarily either going to A, know that, or B, check. 913-586-7798. Let's go to Michael in Kansas City up next. Hi, Michael. Hi there. I, I'm not a professional driver, but um, just uh, bouncing off what you both were talking about a little while ago, about eight years ago, my sister was living in San Francisco, and she was in a bad domestic situation, and we had to get her out of there. So I flew one way to San Francisco, uh, and we drove her car back from San Francisco to Kansas City. And I thought we could take turns, and it was a 24-hour drive. Uh, going through the state of Nebraska was absolutely brutal. I mean, it was like a video game, just just a continuous cornfield. That's it for hours and hours. We were hypnotized by it. It was, it, it was the most brutal drive of my life. <laughs> I would imagine. So, did you make it all in one shot? We did. We and I'll, and I'll never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't blame you, even if I wanted to. Michael, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, take care. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I would like, I'm, I'm just going back to some of the things that you would need to know and what the training program. Yeah, what could they do? It, what would you do that you wouldn't necessarily get it? Like Johnny Rowland's driving school. It, what, if you drive, <laughs> if you drive for work, yeah. what do you have to know about being on the road all the time that if you just are not, I mean, if you're just a regular commuter, that you wouldn't necessarily have to know. Because I would assume that there are differences, especially with what you're going to be driving. Again, where are the fatalities coming from? Is it is it people that are parking their vehicle in the wrong place and the vehicle's getting hit while they're in it? I mean, I, I'm using kind of absurd examples because I don't know. Where are the fatalities happening, particularly with non-CDL drivers, 
that extra training would help avoid that. And is part of it just a function of the fact that they drive so many more miles and so many more hours than most of us do? Yeah. 913-586-7798. If you drive for a living or if you have a CDL, if you're a CDL owner, is that the right term, owner? That's what I keep saying. If you have a CDL, what training do you get in having a CDL that other drivers should get? This is funny. Uh, Colin just confirmed, yes, Nebraska is awful to drive through. When <laughs> when you spent your year on the road, was there a state that you were going, why am I here? Well, I'm never uh, coming back here. Um, yes. <laughs> the city that I hope I never have to go through again is Amarillo, Texas. <laughs> okay. I drove from Little Rock, Arkansas to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh. And I stopped because I was headed to the Grand Canyon. And so I stopped in Amarillo and had to spend a night because I was working full time the whole time, too. And so I had to stop and work for eight hours. Mm -hmm. And that was the work. May I never again have to set foot in the sand and dirt that is the openness of the panhandle of Texas. You know, that's a hard thing to get used to. Even mm -hmm. our, our trips out to the desert. I love Arizona and I love the Sonoran Desert. That part was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The, New the, Mexico's gorgeous. The, the Sonoran Desert in Mexico is, is also just incredible to drive through. But... Yeah, going through towns like Gila Bend and Ajo, Arizona, and places like that where everything's just brown. It's weird. Yeah, yeah even I've driven all of South Dakota. I can't think of what is that I-90 that gets you through yes. Wall, South Dakota, and yep. through all of South Dakota. Even that is not as bad of a drive as the panhandle of Texas. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Nebraska, corn, 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 corn. <laughs> Carter <laughs> is in Lenexa and up next with us. Hi, Carter. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well. What's on your mind? Great. Hey, I was just going to let you guys know that for um, I'm a W-2 employed courier driver, and I use my personal uh, vehicle, a uh, Chevy Cruze. And the max that we are allowed to do uh, per DOT is 14 hours max, and then we need a, an eight-hour rest. Okay. Yeah, now, are you all on the Kansas side? Kansas and Missouri. We've had somebody go to um, Oklahoma before. All over. What can you tell us about this CDL thing? Are, are you? Do you have a CDL class or yeah, CDL? I do not. You don't. I am on the uh, can. Our, uh, we're employed out of the Kansas side. Okay. And I just have the normal Class C driver's license. Gotcha. So it, it depends on where your home base is. Correct. Okay. All right. Great, uh, Carter. Thanks. Yeah, and and keep it between the lines out there, man. Be careful. And so maybe that's part of it. Maybe some of this is the rules that companies that employ drivers need to do better with putting more rules on their drivers and track their drivers more. I mean, if it's distracted driving, which I assume a lot of it is, do more so that they can't drive, you know, so they can't be distracted. I mean, the companies have to do more of it I, than I, just the training. Yeah, and I love the fact that you just responded to a texter and said Chicago is beautiful to drive through. It is. Beautiful, maybe. Easy it's to drive through. Easy? No. <laughs> um, I mean, if you know what you're, if you know where you're going, I did not. It, it's not as hard. I was taught when I was 16 because my best friend uh, moved to Evanston when I was 16, and so I had to learn to drive in the city. I was taught to drive on the shoulder. If there's no cop there, uh huh. I wouldn't suggest that to anyone. <laughs> but I was taught to drive like you know what you're doing. Dr drive with with intention. That usually, yeah, that gets you out of most things, right? Mm -hmm. If you look like you know what you're doing, everybody goes, oh, well, she must be fine then. Yeah. Jason in North Kansas City will wind it up here. Hey, Jason. 
Hey, I just, it's kind of unrelated, but related. When you guys were talking about resting and time off and all that, I just was thinking, you got, you have no idea. I was a railroad engineer for uh, a decade, and I'm glad I'm out. Um, with those guys, you're on call like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you yeah. could be up for like 12 hours, maybe even 14, and then the phone rings. And then you have two hours to report, so now you've been up for seven or 16 hours. And that's when and you start. That's when you start, oh. and you will never make it. I mean, I not to get specific, I guess I worked out of Kansas City, and I took uh, empty coal trains to Lincoln and brought loaded back. Um, you never make it, so you're going to be on duty for another se- 16 hours. Then after 12 hours, but that's your you can operate for 12. But by that time, you've been up for about, what, 28 hours? Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have another four hours waiting for a ride to get back to the hotel. And then you get 10 hours off, period. But that 10 hours starts when you clock out. It doesn't include the van ride to the hotel. And it doesn't include the time it takes you to shower. And it also doesn't include the time that the two hours they call you before you get back on the train, uh, which is when you're outside of town, is usually about... 10 hours about 11 hours man so they he, wake you up hearing that hours. yeah hearing that makes so me i'm just saying if, if if you want to place a concern you need to place that concern with those guys because yeah. it's it's dangerous but yeah. anyway i just yeah. heard the resting part and i just don't want to throw my two cents in all right yeah thanks appreciate jason appreciate it. it thank you yeah and, and, and that's uh yeah they're not not surprising given the number of incidents that we've had just recently Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody, uh, for getting in here. We're going to move on. Uh, the opinion piece in the Kansas City Star, the Royals and Chiefs owe voters details about the stadiums. Dave Helling behind that. We'll get to that coming up here in KMBZ. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, it sure seems as though there's a day in April that's going to be big for the future of the Royals and the Chiefs when it comes to funding. We just don't know a lot about that yet. And a special guest took some some issue with that recently. No doubt about it. And it's no mystery that uh, th- there are very few people who know the landscape and especially the political landscape in the Kansas City area like Dave Helling does for many, many years as a reporter and a columnist with the Kansas City Star. And Dave, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Hey, John, great to be with you. I am retired, but I, I tried to decide if I could ride a bicycle again, so I wrote something for the paper. <laughs> Attaboy. Well, I guess let's, let's start, before we even get into the depth of the column, let's start with the, the big question that is on everybody's mind. If you were a betting man, where are the Royals going to be playing come 2026? 
Well, 2026, they'll still be at, at Kauffman oh, Stadium. The There's no right, way yeah. they could build a stadium in time to play. I think they're they're uh, trying to get a stadium built in time for the 2027, maybe the 2028 season. Take a year to design, a couple years to build. So we're some some ways away. Now, if you're asking, will they be downtown before the end of the current lease? which is at the end of 2030 in Jackson County. My guess is yes, uh, but it's, uh, that, that's very contingent on a lot of things happening. And, and as you suggest from my column, uh, there are a lot of things we just don't know yet that may make that more difficult. Dave, I don't know if the star called you and said, hey, you want to write something about it, or if you're just so irritated at what's going on like we are that you wanted to voice your opinion about it, but what's – is there anything making you crazy about this? Is there anything that's just really keeping you up at night about how this well, is going so far? Good question, Jamie. And just for the record, they did uh, reach out to me Monday and said, would you be interested in writing on this? Uh, and I said, sure, and wrote, wrote the piece. Because I have been saying for years, for years, that before voters in Jackson County or any voters in any county, Clay County, wherever, uh, agree to spend the kind of money that we're talking about here, which is $2 billion or more over 40 years, they have to have a, those voters need and deserve a pretty good understanding of what they're voting for. And that is the, you know, a journalist can take no other position. <laughs> I mean, the whole right. point is transparency and openness so that voters can make an honest decision about what they want to do. For example, the, the downtown stadium uh, might go in the East Village, or it might go in what they call the East Crossroads, which is closer to the Star's old printing plant. And maybe you as a voter have a preference. Maybe you'd say yes if it's in the East Village, but no if it's in the Crossroads, which is a perfectly legitimate decision-making process. Well, if you don't know where it's going, how can you vote yes? And it should be incumbent upon the people who are asking for the money to give at least some level of clarity and granularity to what they're asking for. And by the way, don't let the Chiefs off the hook. The Chiefs are talking about improvements at Arrowhead. What does that mean? Are we going to heat the seats? Are we going to build more boxes for wealthy people? Are we going to put up a statue? I mean, they have – is it going to be a roof over the stadium? I've talked to a few people over the last couple of days, and they're afraid that the teams are trying to remain as vague as possible – so they can get the money in April and then do essentially whatever they want to do. And again, as a reporter, a former reporter now and a former journalist, uh, I just don't think that's acceptable for anybody at any time for any ask of public money. You have to tell people what you want it for and how you're going to spend it before they agree to do so. Certainly wouldn't argue with that. So is it your opinion? I mean, given the conversations that you've had and what you've heard from other reporters and things like that, that the Chiefs and the Royals have a plan now, or is it just a matter of getting the money and then making the plan? Well, I think, again, some people have said to me, John, that they're afraid that Chiefs and Royals know what they want to do, but they don't want to spell it out uh -huh. because that will anger some people. But you'll also hear people that will say, particularly with the Royals, uh, that they are not completely sure of how they want to proceed yet and know they have some time. And so they want, again, to keep things as vague as they can. Here's another thing that, to keep your eye on. 
there are uh, continuing suggestions that the city of Kansas City, you know, Mayor Quentin Lucas and the council, will be asked or have committed to additional funds for the stadium project, particularly one downtown. We know nothing about that, nothing. How much it is, how it would be paid, whether there would be a needed tax increase in Kansas City, would there be uh, debt issued? Does that hurt the uh, city's credit rating? I mean, those are, you know, those are not questions about the color of the bathroom. <laughs> you know, those yeah. are co- serious questions. I was on Channel 19, we taped today. Uh, can you imagine uh, a couple of years ago, the city going to voters and saying, hey, we want to build an airport. We don't know how much it's going to cost. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't know who's going to pay for it. We don't know if the airlines like it or not. I mean, but voters would have said, forget it. We're not voting on that basis. And the same situation, I think, applies uh, to the Truman Sports Complex and to the Royals and Chiefs. They should not be handed a blank check. I'm laughing that you use that as an example because I went through that whole process, as did you, um, and how much public information it took to get that, to get people to where they knew what they were voting on. And you recall, as I do, that Mayor Sly James pulled that vote and wouldn't and decided to put that vote off for, I think it was a year, until yeah. there was uh, there was more public information about it until yes. until it was yes. clear that it was going to pass. Yes. Again, you could not you cannot ask voters to, in essence, write a two billion dollar check without giving them as much information. Now, do, do the Royals have to say, how, you know, how far the fences are out in right field? No, I mean, we don't or, or or, you know, that kind of granularity is not important, but we need to know how much it would cost where it would go, how many seats would be included, where the rest of the money would come from if the the voters uh, on their own wouldn't pay for it, what kind of community uh, benefits agreement can be signed to make sure that, uh, you know, minorities and others are given a chance to participate in the development. And then what's this $1 billion entertainment zone that they've talked about? We haven't heard anything about that. Those are questions. And by the way, the election is about 11 and a half weeks away. Yes. It's not like a year from now. It's less than uh, it's around 80 days uh, until voters actually go to the polls, assuming it still goes on the ballot. There's some wiggle room, as you guys know, down at the county that could still stall this. But let's assume for a moment it does go on. You've got 11 weeks to answer all of these questions at a minimum. Or I think voters are going to say, no, come back when you know more about what you're doing. Dave, this is why we love talking to you is because you led me exactly where I wanted you to go. <laughs> you know, with, because <laughs> let's let's take a look at that time period for a minute and realize what a precarious position the uh, county legislature has now put itself in by putting this on the ballot in April. That information's not out there now about all of the things that you just discussed. We don't have that information what is the role of city and county government now enforcing? Because the Royals and the Chiefs will either tell us what they're going to do or they won't. Right now, they've given right. us every indication that they won't. But we've got a very short period of time. How much pressure and what kind of pressure, if any, can the county and the city put on both those organizations to make this information public to ensure? Right. The, right. Well, the, once it's on the ballot, uh, John, uh, the, the leverage is gone for the city and county. Now, I do think uh, there is some indication that both teams have have decided to issue term sheets that will be a little more specific about what they want. Uh, you know, certainly lease agreements, uh, you know, they can put the pressure on to try and get those signed. 
because the Royals cannot move downtown until 2031 unless the existing leases are amended because Mm -hmm. they're required to play at Truman until the end of the lease. And so at minimum, if they want to move downtown, they have to have a new lease and the Chiefs uh, will want to do the same thing. So the, 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 the only leverage, if they don't come clean between now and Election Day, the only leverage really is with voters who can go to the polls and say, no, this is not uh, this is not how we want to proceed. Let, let me be clear, and I think you guys may feel the same way. I'm not against downtown baseball. No. I'm not against really rehabbing uh, Arrowhead Stadium. But I want to know how much it's going to cost, how much, how long it's going to take, what you want to do, who else gets to participate. You know, the Chiefs have said they want the state of Missouri to come up with a lot of money. Great. How much? You know, when do we get that And will money? they? And will they? Will they? I mean, they're, you know, the record is very, very clear that Missouri lawmakers anyway are skeptical about big subsidies for stadiums in Kansas City or St. Louis. So that's that remains an issue as well. And, you know, if you're going to give the Chiefs $350 million and the state does not come through, what does that mean? Does that mean fewer improvements? Does that mean – and by the way, as I pointed out in my column – the Chiefs have said they want to stay at Arrowhead for another 25 years. Well, can you help us understand what happens after that? Do you want a new stadium in 25 years? If that's the case, the cost is probably a billion and a half or $2 billion based on what's happening in other communities. There just has to be a way for the teams to sit down with reporters, uh, both teams, and answer all of these questions to the best of their ability before voters go to the polls, or I think voters will say, no, nope, you got to try again. We'll see. Dave, from where I sit, the problem seems to be, at least in part, not knowing between all of these invested parties, all these, all these people that are in this, between them knowing who makes those decisions. Yeah, uh, the, uh, Jamie. Uh, and, you know, the subtext to that is, why weren't these things decided two years ago? I mean, why are we down with 10, you know, 10 or 11 weeks until Election Day with unanswered questions? These should have been on the table six months ago. New leases signed and agreed to. Term sheets issued. Community benefit agreements reached. Uh, you know, artist renditions made public. The state of Missouri make its, would make its commitment clear. I mean, all of those questions, again, at the macro level should have been answered you know, six months, a year ago. And then we enter into uh, the real discussion, which, of course, is, you know, should we be paying money for sports franchises, which is a whole different issue. But but I don't think we even can reach that more fundamental question until we know what the hell it is that the teams want and what the hell it is that the county has agreed to. Uh, and until we know the answers to those questions, it's just I would not be wanting to be run, running that campaign. I'll put it to you that way. I understood. And, Dave, we've got one last quick one for you, which is simply sure. this. As of today, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but as of today, do you feel like you personally, and I'm not going to ask you how you're going to vote, but yeah. do you feel like you personally will have enough information to make that decision by the April deadline? Well, I, I should be clear. I, I'm a registered voter in Kansas, so I won't be casting. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So this is there we go. But, but I think that based on the current status of discussions, that there will be more information made available. Whether it is enough to convince 50% plus one of voters to support the tax extension, 
uh, is another question, and I would not put any serious money on that at all. I, I think the teams and the county really need to come clean with the people who make this decision and to the best extent possible answer these questions that I posed in the column and other questions that you guys have raised uh, before ballots are cast. And the time and the clock is ticking, my friends. Again, it's uh, 80 days until this decision is made. Dave, real quick before we let you go, I just thought of one more thing. Do you know, and if you don't, that's okay, If what else is on the ballot that day? I'm thinking about voter turnout. Is there anything else that would get voters to the polls that day? I don't. I don't know what else will be on the April ballot. Um, uh, You know, that um, typically school elections are held in April, but I'm not sure. Now, here's the other problem. Uh, You know, there may be a a presidential primary in March. There was some discussion of that in Missouri. So people would have to go to the polls twice. But uh, the, the big question is April. What do we do in April? And this will be that I think turnout will be fine. I mean, there will be n- enough discussion of this. It's you know not going to be 50 percent, but there'll be enough people who care about this issue on both sides in Jackson County to vote, uh, uh, Jamie. But but again, you, 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 those people will want to know what they're voting for. And today they do not know. Well, Dave, we certainly thank you for the time. And I hope that no matter no matter what that answer is about how much information we get between now and then, that just before that election, that the Kansas City Star calls you up and gives you that keyboard one more time to, to let <laughs> everybody know whether you're satisfied with it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Every reporter in Kansas City who cares about this stuff should be asking those questions. I'm not it's not exclusive to me. We need to know these things for the people we represent uh, as journalists. Always great to hear from you, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, John. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. And happy new year. Some of you have thoughts. We'll have a couple minutes when we get back. 913-586-7798. Back to wrap today's show next on KMBZ. Don't forget here, uh, the cold weather is coming in for tomorrow. Today's your day to go and uh, get what you need if you don't want to be out tomorrow. Operation Stormwatch, we continue to be in, uh, sponsored by JR and Company Roofing. Three minutes left to talk more about the Royals. Yeah, talking to Dave Helling, we always get, get a little caught up in it, but we'll go right to Eve in Kansas City. Hi, Eve. Three questions. Oh, hi. Listen to your program, and, and, and I always enjoyed it. Thank you. Surprised Thank to get you. in. Three questions. I heard the announcement the months ago that the owner wants a new stadium for his team. Why can't he build it? He can, but he'd rather have tax money. He should have the money and get a, a consortium together and build it. The taxpayers already built one. Why do we need a new stadium for a losing team? Because they won't always be losing. (laughs) Oh, so that's the future and it's guaranteed. Number three, what happens to this state-of-the-art, beautiful stadium that we've got with parking and everything else? It's going to be torn down. Yeah. That's yeah. that was easy. Three quick questions, three quick answers. <laughs> thanks, thanks very yeah. much for listening. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, and, and that's really it. I, I know that comes up all the time. The losing team, winning team thing, it does not matter. You either have a franchise or you don't. If you don't want them, let them go. If you want them and you want to be a major league city, you've got to, you've got to pony up because if we don't, someone else will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Chiefs didn't start winning Super Bowls until 2019. Yeah. We didn't know that in 2014 that they'd start winning Super Bowls five years later. And Arrowhead wasn't always there. Right. I mean, it's been there for 50 years. So for most of us, it has always been there. But uh, but yeah, it's I mean, there there was a time when that stadium had to go up too, and Kaufman and the rest of it. So 
Yeah. And it's about, I mean, I, I, I get the skepticism and I'm a Jackson County voter who will, you know, vote on this in April. And Dave raises a lot of points that I'll be asking as we go forward here, but it's part of it is it's part of a thriving downtown. I mean, to have the, the Royals playing downtown and to have the new stadium for soccer up at Berkeley park. I mean, it's, it's, it's progress. Yes. Is what we're talking about. Yeah. And I mean, it's always a competition. Sports franchises are desirable things for a city to have. There will always be competition for them. So that's why the chiefs had no problem saying if this vote goes through or if you get this on the ballot, you know, we'll talk. If you don't, then we're done and we're going to start looking elsewhere because they know they can and they know somebody will pay. Definitely. We also are done here for the day. Uh, Everybody uh, stay warm tonight and we'll turn this over to Dana Parks. Be back tomorrow here on KMBZ. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.